quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of controlled parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connected parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Parenting books can be daunting. The length, the amount of information, and the time it takes to read and understand the material. Hand in Hand Parenting has a booklet set that has become what I recommend and use with all of my clients. The Listening to Children digital booklet set teaches you the tools of connection with examples in a concise and easy to read form. Because I'm certified through Hand in Hand and I adore all things connection, I have become their partner. If you buy this extremely useful booklet set, a portion of the sale will go directly to support this little podcast and its production. If you go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner, forward slash peace and parenting, you can buy these extremely helpful booklets or anything else in their store. Again, you can go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner, forward slash peace and parenting. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I have a lovely member of our community who's been willing to come on to share her experiences, and I want to welcome Chitra to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Michelle. My name is Chitra Pena, and yes, I absolutely love the Peace and Parenting community. I feel so seen and heard by all the posts there. So I'm Chitra. I'm a mother of two little girls and my husband and I, we live in Connecticut and we're just raising our little trilingual biracial family and, you know, learning and growing right alongside our children. Amazing. Amazing. So tell me one thing today that's going well. Ooh, what's going well? 
We started last night. My older daughter is four and a half, almost five. And after we initially, you know, got over the hump of sleep learning, we've had really good luck and they don't wake up until eight o'clock in the morning, which is fantastic. But in the past month, you know, I've got these little pitter patter of footsteps coming into my bed at seven and then 6.30. And I was like, okay, we got to do something about this. So we put in a little okay to wake clock in my older daughter's bedroom last night. We said, let's see how this goes. Cause you know, they love that. And it worked. So oh, good. eight o'clock was my oh, little nice. wake there. Sleeping till eight is important. We like that. Yeah. Well, hard to come by. Yeah, it is. I know. Why don't you tell us about your journey and tell us about how this whole, you know, journey into peaceful parenting or into conscious parenting, how maybe it came about or, you know, where you are in it, what's going on. So my journey into conscious parenting, it was sort of accidental. Well, my journey to motherhood was not at all accidental, actually. You know, we tried for three years to get pregnant. We had infertility issues, both myself and my husband. So we had to, after failed IUI attempts, go to IVF. And eventually we were successful. And during that whole time, I just sort of got tunnel vision and forgot that at the end of the road, there would be a baby to take care of. (laughs) Me too. We had fertility issues with Esme and she's an IUI baby. And me too. I was like, so focused on, I'll put a nursery together. That was like my big focus. And then I was like, it's so funny. Like infertility can just give you this little tunnel vision. And you're just so focused on the creation of a baby and a successful pregnancy. And you feel, you know, so protective of that pregnancy throughout those nine, 10 months. And at the end of the road, you come home with the baby and you're like, oh my God, I haven't thought about what to do with this child. So Initially, you know, things were great. And, you know, we were having like our little, what I like to call the honeymoon period with a newborn, you know, when they sleep a lot and they're kind of squishy and just like, it's okay. And then I was feeling very confident, very happy. And suddenly I was hit with like weight issues from my pediatrician telling me that something was wrong with my daughter. She wasn't gaining enough weight, sent us for a litany of tests. I mean, like EKGs and all kinds of things. And it sent me into a very anxious spiral. Yeah. I felt like I was failing this very precious life that I was given responsibility of raising. Mm -hmm. And it was a really dark time. The first six months of my parenthood experience was really difficult. I didn't trust myself at all. And one day my sister came over and she sat me down with my husband. They kind of had like, I suppose you could call it an intervention. They sat down and they said, you know how to do this. You are a good mom. And I get a little teary because my sister came to me and she gave me so silly, these temporary tattoos that she got made for me. And they said the word trust. And she put one on my wrist and she said, I need you to look at this and I need you to trust yourself and your gut. You know how to do this. And something changed. And I always knew my daughter was well. She was thriving. She was doing well, but the doctor insisted something was wrong with her. And on her first birthday, he actually apologized to me and said, she's absolutely healthy. Mm. And so it was a really awful experience. But, you know, after that, I looked at this child and I said, she's so innocent and I need to do her justice. So she catalyzed a growth in me that I never expected. 
And when it really hit me that I had some inner work to do for myself was when she was about one year old, myself and my husband, we had made the decision to, you know, let him take this job that was in Connecticut. So we moved from New Jersey to Manhattan because I said, I'm not moving to Connecticut, but I'll move to Manhattan and you could do the reverse commute. So she and I were in our little one bedroom apartment and the first time she fell down and actually really bumped her head and got hurt. And, you know, I witnessed her first moment of like true suffering and falling and hurting herself. And she's frantically searching around for this bear. And it's the first time, you know, a comfort object and all of this. And I suddenly felt this tense, like deep panic within my chest. And I felt like a failure. I was like, oh my God, I failed her. I let her get hurt. I didn't protect her. This innocent life I failed her. I can never, ever let this happen again. Which, you know, of course, obviously that is impossible. (laughs) That's like one of 7 million, but it's hard, right? Right? Because you're like, I'm in charge of this person that I've wanted so badly. How can I let them suffer? Right. I mean, I looked at her and I was just like, how could I have done this to you? You know, and it wasn't, I did something to her. She fell. No, and and that's life, right? Life is full of suffering. Exactly. And I think we really in our society say like, no, you shouldn't have to suffer. You shouldn't have to be upset. And if you are, then we have to fix it. We have to make it better. Right. Well, first I went into fix mode. Right. And then I went into almost like, how can I keep her in a bubble? How can I protect her from all the suffering, which obviously was not a realistic um, expectation. And so for the next few weeks, I really sat with it and I was like, why am I so uncomfortable with her having pain? And, you know, so I dug deeper and deeper and I thought about like, it's because I'm not comfortable Mm -hmm. with pain Mm -hmm. and I'm not comfortable, you know, feeling hurt. And then, you know, I thought about like my experience as a child and I lost my grandfather, who was my primary caretaker at the time at four years old. And I think I saw her and her despair as my despair. And so I looked inside and I said, you know what? have some thinking to do. Yeah. Well, I think it's a common thing though. I think we experience their life through our experiences. I mean, it was just so transformative. I was like, I have a lot of healing to do that I never recognized. And so, you know, now she's four and a half. So over the last four and a half years, or she was one then, so three and a half years. And then I had another daughter, you know, and through their growth, I just grow right alongside them. And I see their experiences as something to be honored as opposed to something to be either judged or to be stifled because that's kind of how I grew up where, you know, when the loss of my grandfather did happen, I think it was scary for my mom and dad because, you know, we all lived in a joint family home. That's very typical for my culture. I'm Indian. So this was my dad's mom and dad. And so my dad's dad passed away we lived in the same home and I was just, you know, always at his elbow. And so one day he just was gone. And I think it was scary for my parents to have to explain that to their four-year-old daughter. And I don't know that they really did. Yeah. And maybe Um, they didn't want you to have to be sad. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we tell kids like, it's okay. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to be upset. You'll be all right. You're okay. okay." Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, actually I'm not okay. And I want to be not okay. When I told my mom of that experience, you know, that first time when my one-year-old fell down and my mom was like, well, just distract her. And I'm like, mom, no. <laughs> She's yes, like, well, just and now it all comes full circle. <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, 
No, mom. I kind of just hugged her and said, I'm sorry, you're feeling hurt. Like that's it. So yeah, there's been a big evolution and that was the catalyst. Yeah. So tell us what are the most helpful things that you've learned? Well, I think one of the most helpful things I've learned is that there is no right answer on how to handle things. Because for me, the way that I do things and the way that I so to say parent is very different than the rest of my family and my community. And so in the beginning, that can feel a little scary because yeah. you feel judged or you find that other people feel judged by your decisions, even though they have nothing to do with them. So- I know it. That's a really interesting concept, right? It's that the presence of you doing something different makes them uncomfortable. Absolutely. And you're so- like, wait a minute, why? Exactly. Because they think it's just a judgment on them. They think it's a statement of contrary belief. You yeah. know, like for example, with my parents, certain things that I do, my mom would be like, well, I guess we didn't know how to do anything. And I'm like, mom, this has nothing to do with you. I get that all the <laughs> um, time. You guys were amazing parents. You did the best you could given your circumstances. And I'm just doing it differently. It's no judgment on you. Yeah. Not at yeah. all. So, yeah. And I think that's important to notice too. Like, we don't want to demonize our folks. We don't want to say like they're bad and wrong and they did all these things. And listen, our kids are going to say the same thing, even though we think we're doing it this way and that way, and we're doing it, you know, consciously or whatever. I have no doubt that Esme is going to say to me, oh, I'm not doing it like that. We're doing it like this. And I'm going to have to, you know, be like, okay, great. Good for you. That's so funny. You know, I think about that again, my kids are so little, but maybe I'm just like, I'm not, but I think about like, okay, when my daughter brings home her baby, I'm going to have to step back and be like, this is your experience and not give my opinions or take anything personally the way I'm expecting from my parents. (laughs) That's right. And I think when they're little, you practice that right all the time, right? We're now practicing it, messing up. And hopefully when we get to you know, 30 years down the road, we'll have figured it out that we don't have to impose our will on them as new moms. Cause that's hard too, for a new mom. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, what's been working is definitely just recognizing that it's my journey and my experience with my family and that, you know, it's okay. No one else has to understand it except me. Yeah. And my husband. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe just, you know, he can understand it in just like a minimal way. Sometimes (laughs) sometimes they have their own experience too, right? Men or partners or women or whomever have their experience that's totally different. So true. And it's like, I know that a lot of partner conflict comes from this idea that we all have to parent exactly the same. And that's not necessarily realistic, right? Our partners coming with their own baggage and with their own experience and their own way they want to be with their kids too. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Partnership in parenting is hard, really is. And it's a beautiful thing, but it's hard, very hard. Yeah. No, it's definitely hard. You learn a whole new layer about your partner when you become a parent Mm -hmm. and so many, not just in one aspect, just several new layers emerge. Yeah. I attribute all of the major shifts and changes in my parenting to Hand in Hand and Patty Whipfler. I could not have achieved the inroads to more connection with Esme and Pia without the Hand in Hand parenting approach. I owe this method and my sanity to their tools. That's why I've become an affiliate partner of Hand in Hand Parenting. Purchasing their products using my affiliate link directly supports this little podcast at no extra cost to you. 
I recommend the Listening to Children digital booklet set to all of my clients. It perfectly explains the listening tools and has been something I constantly return to myself. These tools are the heart of what I've learned myself and what I teach my clients. If you go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner forward slash peace and parenting, you can order them and also support this podcast in the process. So go to handinhandparenting.org forward slash partner forward slash peace and parenting and learn the essence of connective parenting while also supporting the peace and parenting podcast. I will also put the link in the show notes. I think parenting brings out so much in us that we didn't know that lies dormant when you're just a single person. Absolutely. I always say, I don't know I ever would have grown in the ways that I have had I not become a parent. Yeah, I agree. It has catalyzed such inner reflection that I feel like I've grown so much. I'm 35, but I've grown so much in the past five years versus the 30 years prior to that. Yeah. So I'm very, very grateful. I went to therapy for years before I had kids and I don't think it helped at all (laughs) because once I had kids, there was a whole new host of issues that I didn't even know that just cropped right up. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me also, what's the most difficult thing about parenting this way and about coming to your kids in this different way? That's such a, you know, a deviation from the way in which you were parented and to society, a lot of what society says too. I guess, you know, what we said was what's working, but part of that is what's also not working, which is that I've come to peace with it. I know that what I'm doing is my personal choice, but, you know, in family gathering, pre-COVID family gathering situations, it can be uncomfortable sometimes or different because of our different parenting styles. And so sometimes that's a little harder to navigate when you're in that group setting and different family styles are coming together or different, let's say disciplinary styles. Like I don't really say like, oh, discipline, you know, we're kind of like a natural consequence kind of people. So that's been a little tough to navigate, especially as they start to get older. Yeah. I think a lot of, I know I've heard and I've experienced where the kids will have an issue and the parents will be involved and the parents will, you know, want to insist on an apology or want to, you know, really yell at one of the kids or really get this child in trouble and they should be given a punishment because they did something wrong, really want to come in as, you know, judge and jury. And I know I've had to like really sit to the wayside and say, we don't do that. That's a hard thing to say to people sometimes. Yeah. That situation, actually, I could exactly replicate that. And also sometimes people will make statements about my children, like, well, you can't say anything to them or they never hear the word no or something which is completely false, but you know, their perception of what I'm doing with my kids and then they'll make these vocal judgments or vocal statements. That's hard to navigate. Yeah, how do you navigate that? Have you had a hard time? With my personal intimate family, I address it because, you know, that's just how we are. Yeah, But- I'll just let them know, like, no, that's not how it is. And I appreciate if you could refrain from making that type of statement in front of my children. Yeah. Or I'll just explain it. And, you know, the thing too, is that this whole growth process in me has also cultivated a lot of empathy for everyone in my life. And to know that some statements are coming from a place of fear and hurt 
And so then I don't take anything personally anymore. It's like, if they say something about my child, I used to get really mama bear about it and be like, don't you dare say that about my baby, you know? And now I'm just like, well, you know what? I know that's not true about my kids. I know that they have boundaries, very firm boundaries, but the word no doesn't necessarily have to be so prevalent in order to have boundaries. And if someone thinks that I'm letting my kids run the roost, well, good for them. That's not the case, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what is it really about that? Is that what this is all about? Is like, who's in control? Is it you or your kids? And does that matter? I found that that dynamic has been, I mean, in our family, we don't have this hierarchy, you know, that you see in a lot of families traditionally in a lot of communities where it's like the parents are up here, the kids are down here and like, you just listen and, you know, be seen and not heard type of situation. And I just look at we're a team, you know? Yes. Have you read the book, the theory of objectivist parenting? No, that's not Rosalind Ross. It's really good, but she has a quote in there where she says, Somebody asked me if my children were defiant and her response was, well, there would have to be someone for them to defy, to be defiant. And I was like, oh, that's good. Like he doesn't see it as a hierarchy. Like you're talking about, she sees it as just like we're coexisting and we're navigating the world together and there's no being defiant because that doesn't exist. I like that too, that it's like, yeah, that you're developmentally saying no, or you're, you know, you're not liking what's going on. And as a child, you're standing up for it yourself. And what's wrong with that? And can an adult handle it in a, can an adult handle it in a graceful way? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what's really hard about, you know, conventional parenting is that adults are not to be challenged. And when right. they are, that's bad and wrong. Yes. And that means that your child is bad. Yeah. And your parenting is no good. Yeah. And that you're not a good parent. You don't have control. Yes. How could you not control your child? You know, I think also what makes this parenting difficult is that I'm fighting against that in my head because somewhere Mm -hmm. back in my subconscious, I believe that too. You have to unlearn it. Yeah. Yeah. But I still, if I get triggered or if I'm not doing well, or if I'm, you know, not resourced, I go there. That's exactly where I go. Oh my gosh. She's defiant. She's bad. She's, I'm bad. We're terrible. Everything's horrible. And what am I thinking? How am I even a parenting coach? Like I go deep, you know, and I'm like mean. Spiral. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what, for me, that's what makes this parenting hard is fighting against my own, you know, default. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes, you know, you see other parents with that traditional style of parenting and you do see that it quote unquote is working for me. It's not really because I see, you know, things bottled up or or at what cost? That's what I was. At what cost? Yes, yeah, exactly. like it's at working, but at what cost? What emotional cost for the child is, and also for the adult, because it doesn't feel good to punish and to mm-hmm. shame and to yell and to be and embarrass people and belittle them. It doesn't feel good as the parent. So I think, it, yeah. oh, and I think it yeah. eats away at our own feelings about ourselves. We may not be able to admit that or notice it or recognize it, but I do think like when I was parenting that way, it made me feel crappy about myself. Yeah. And it fractures the relationship, I think. Big time. you have this aggression, you know, and also I guess I shouldn't say it's working because what does that even mean? Who is it working for? That's right. I don't think it serves either party, to be honest. Who is it really serving? Yeah. yeah so, I don't think but, it is. You know, sometimes it makes me think because I'm just like, well, I leave yeah. all this space for emotions. So I guess, you know, this is. Everyone's saying no. 
got my daily test of patience oh. and my daily test oh of my like, God. Uh, today mm-hmm. the internet went down and as me came in and she was like, the internet is down and I'm supposed to be in class and somebody has to fix it. And oh my gosh. And she's like stomping around the house. And I was like, what have I created? Like, <laughs> oh no. But I mean, she felt just free to have her feelings. Granted, yes. it's hard on me, but she's free to say and get it off her chest. And we fixed the internet. And then she's like, I'm sorry, I got mad. It's like, okay. Yeah. And she's just being a human. She's I would have the same thing. I would do the same thing. Yeah. If my podcast went down right now. I would come out there and have a tizzy fit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But children, we also have this idea that we want to hold children to a higher standard than we even hold ourselves, which is I think it's insane. So yeah. It's so crazy because you see adults having their version of what you would say a tantrum or a meltdown all the time, you know, and we're like, I'm just stressed, but yeah. you know, the kid is upset about what we perceive to be not such a big deal. Yeah. That's the thing is that, yep. especially with the younger kids is that we perceive, well, you didn't get the blue spoon. What's the big deal? You have the green spoon, just get over it. Yeah. But you know, to them, that's the equivalent of the internet going down before a podcast. Totally. So, like, or is have- it something else? Or is there, are there bottled up feelings? Yes. They yeah. just, the catalyst, the last thing that happens to them is they didn't get the spoon they wanted. And so they're yeah. just going to explode and try to get all this stuff out and use the spoon as the excuse. Exactly. It comes pouring out, which is like, me, when you drop your favorite coffee mug and it cracks, it's really not the end of the world, but suddenly you're crying and you're like, well, why yeah. am I crying? Adults do it all the time. They, what's the classic? Yeah. Like the dad comes home and kicks the dog because he was cut off in traffic because he's having a hard time at work because, you know, all these other things are happening and then we don't know how to regulate. And so yeah, that's been a huge growth for me too. Yeah. There's a lot in here. It's a big onion. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming. This has been so good. Is there any last parting words, something that you would say to whoever is like just starting out or just questioning the way in which conventional parenting is shoved down our throats? And what would you say to them? I would say, you know, really slow down and have awareness of your feelings when these tense emotional parenting situations come up, you know? think about like, do I feel good about how this is going? Like we said, you know, do I really feel happy and good about the way that I'm handling this? And if your answer is no, reflect on how maybe you can do it differently next time, because your interactions with your children should serve you just as much as they should serve the child. Yeah. You know, you should both be able to walk away feeling good about it. Yeah, I like that. Life is hard, but it doesn't have to be harder because yeah, of the way. Yeah, I like that. You know? That's so good. Chitra, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. And you've got lucky little girls who have a good mom who's just trying to do everything for them and they're lucky kids. Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. I really love your community that you've built. Thank you. Can you tell us about your work and where we can find you and where people can connect with you? Sure. So I am Thadi Ma on Instagram, which is T-A-A-R-I-M-A-A, which in my language means your mother, but you know, not like your mama. It's like <laughs> your mother, <laughs> like a maternal embrace your mother. It's actually the name of my company. And so we are raising our family trilingual. My husband is Puerto Rican 
And so we're trying to teach them my native language, which is Gujarati. It's a language from India and of course, English and then Spanish. And when I had my daughters right around the time of that bear falling down incident, you know, I also had moved away from family and recognized that, oh my gosh, I'm the only person in her entire life speaking Gujarati. She's going to lose this really crucial part of our culture if I don't do something about it. So I created, I self-published and illustrated some Gujarati board books in 2019. And this year I'm about to launch nine new products in Gujarati and Hindi. You can find me on Tarima, tarima tarima.com or on Tarima on Instagram. And I would love to also have any of you join my community. We also believe in respectful parenting and self-growth. Great. And self-love. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Well, thank you so much for being part of the community and being part of this podcast and sharing your story. And we will put all her links in our show notes if anyone's looking for her. And I just really appreciate you being here. So thank you again, Chita. Thank you, Michelle. I really had a great time. Great. Thanks for listening to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.